I want to first begin by thanking everyone for their prayers and support of my family this past week as we mourned the very unexpected loss of my wife's father, Joe Conway. And then, of course, that was followed up very shortly after with the news of the passing of Kathy Starr, whom most of you, I think, knew had been ill for quite some time. So her loss, though not as unexpected, uh, still leaves a big hole in our parish and a big hole in our hearts. Uh, Kathy was a devoted member of the Lake Carmelites, and she was a woman of uh, very deep prayer and contemplation. Uh, and Father and I have been out to visit her, Father, several times, and in fact, just hours before Kathy passed, Father was in to see her, to anoint her, to give her viaticum and uh, grant the apostolic pardon. So Kathy was taken care of. <laughs> Kathy was taken care of. She, she died a good death in Christ. Uh, my father-in-law, Joe, um, passed very suddenly, very unexpectedly, but he lived his life ready to meet the Lord. He truly did live every day prepared to meet Jesus. He was a daily communicant at Mass faithfully, and so we have, we have no doubts that he also had a very prepared and blessed death. Joe was my father-in-law. My, my kids called him Yo-Yo. Uh, to many of you, he was the music director, or he was your kid's catechist, or the bulletin editor, or the liturgical commission chair, or a brother in the night of Columbus, or maybe you just knew him as the guy who's always here at the parish doing stuff, right? Always lending a hand, helping out. Um, I'm, I'm very happy that a lot of you also knew him as friend. And the uh, condolences and just the expressions that I'm, I'm getting from all of you, especially this weekend at the masses, just really solidified that in my heart, that he truly was a friend to so many of you. Uh, when I called Father Paul to inform him of Joe's passing, I said, I said you know, Father, you're going to need to find 10 people to replace Joe. Uh, but that's a lie, because, of course, there's no replacing him. Uh, he was born on November 1st, which is All Saints Day, and he passed from this life on May 1st, the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. Someone said, that's God winking at you <laughs> right there. I can't imagine more fitting bookends to his life because Joe always strove every day to be among the saints. And to that end, he took his namesake, Joseph, very seriously, modeling his life on St. Joseph, not only in his carpentry, which was a great hobby of his, but in how he served his family and his church as a father and as a humble servant. Really, if there's ever anyone in my life that I've met that I would describe as a living saint, it would be Joe Conway. Within five minutes of meeting him, after Joni first brought me home to meet her family, uh, I, I knew this was a man that I, I wanted to be like. And I was a little bit scared, too, to be honest with you, because if that, I figured if that's her model of what a husband and father looks like, I'm gonna, she's going to have to be disappointed in me. She's just going to have to be used to being disappointed. But 25 years later, I'm just more affirmed in that conviction, though, that this, this is a man for us to emulate. I'm not going to canonize Joe too soon, though, because he would be the first to chastise me if I neglected to remind all of us of the importance of praying for the dead, which was a Christian duty that he took very seriously. 
He prayed every day for the holy souls in purgatory, especially his family members and his friends. And so we all owe him the charity of praying for his peaceful repose, as well as Kathy's. And that's why we have funeral masses and offer masses for the dead. But this is not a funeral mass. This is the mass for the fifth Sunday of Easter. And this is not a eulogy. This is a homily. And so it's my Christian duty in this moment to proclaim to you the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Joe would be awful disappointed in me if I didn't. Now, my problem is I was in the middle of writing my homily when I got the news of his passing, so I didn't finish it. (laughs) You'll forgive me, I'm sure, but uh, I'll tell you what I was going to say. I was going to talk about our duties as Christians and the different roles that each one of us has in the body of Christ. And I was going to begin with our first reading from the Acts of the Apostles and talk about how the needs of the growing church meant that the apostles who were appointed by Jesus needed to share their apostolic authority with others who could help them in their ministry. And so they ordained the first deacons by the laying on of hands. And later on, they would ordain other helpers as successors and priests and bishops. I was going to talk about how ordained ministers in the body of Christ are like the neck. That's our role. We're the neck because we connect the head, who is Jesus, with the body, who is the church. That's how we serve the body. We're the neck. And then I was going to talk about the priesthood that's mentioned by St. Peter in our second reading. When Peter calls the church a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, he is quoting from the book of Exodus what God told Moses to proclaim to the people of Israel from Mount Sinai. And the priesthood that Moses speaks of, it's not the priesthood of Aaron and his descendants, because that wouldn't be established until a little later, This is the priesthood of all Israel, a priesthood that's fulfilled in Jesus Christ and in his body, the church. You see, Christ is our great high priest. And since, as members of the faithful, we are baptized into Christ's body, that means we also share in his priesthood. We are priests. So what does it mean to be a priest. Well, priests are the ones who are set apart, called out from the world, so that they could enter into the tabernacle and offer praises to God. They are the ones who can approach God. According to the old law, only the priest could enter the tabernacle to offer God worship and to make sacrifices on behalf of the people. In Christ Jesus, you and I, in all of the baptized, share in this priesthood now. We are able to approach God, not merely by entering into the tabernacle, but by becoming living tabernacles ourselves, because God enters into us each time we receive Holy Communion. We are able to offer God fitting worship. And you and I are able to offer sacrifices to God, not of bulls and rams, but sacrifices of our own suffering, our own penance, our own broken hearts, all of the many crosses 
that we bear, large or small. And that's what we mean when we say, offer it up. You guys have heard that, right? Offer it up, offer it up. Right? We offer up our suffering as a sacrifice. Because Christians are not spared suffering. You and I know this. But because we share in this priesthood of Jesus Christ, our suffering is transformed into something that's redemptive, into an act of love. And I was going to remind everyone that in his passion, Christ was not just the priest, but he was the victim. He was not just the one making the sacrifice, but he was himself the unblemished sacrifice being offered. And as members of his body, now that's also true of you and I. And what this means is that no one who shares in this perfect priesthood of Jesus Christ is ever without a worthy sacrifice to bring to this altar because the sacrifice that we offer is ourselves. Ourselves, given in loving service and humble obedience to the Lord. And I was going to remind us that Jesus is not only a priest, but a prophet. And so part of the service that we owe to the Lord is to be his prophets, to go out and to proclaim the good news, to be witnesses to his son. And that's why we're sent out at the end of every Mass, to go out into the world and to share with others what we receive here. We are apostles. The word apostle means one who is sent. And this is your share in the apostolic mission of the church, to go out and to proclaim Jesus Christ in your own little corner of the world wherever that might be. And so I was going to end with our gospel as a reminder of this good news that we are to proclaim, this good news which should always be on our minds and on our lips and in our hearts. And what is this good news? Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself so that where I am, you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't need to worry. Our loving God and Father has us in his hands. He cares for us more than we can fathom. Not even death can conquer the Father's love for us. All we have to do is trust in him and trust in the one he sent to us, who is the way, the truth, the resurrection, and the life. If we have seen him, we have seen the Father. If we believe in him, if we truly believe, then we will do the works that he does. We will heal the sick. We will feed the hungry. We will liberate the captive. We will comfort the sorrowing. And we will instruct the ignorant. And we will love one another the way that he loves us.
and we will offer ourselves as willing and worthy sacrifices for the good of others. We will descend into the grave with him, and we will rise from the dead to eternal life. That's the homily I was going to preach. As a deacon preaching the gospel and the homily here in the liturgy, that's my privilege and my humble duty. As Christians, proclaiming the gospel in the world is our solemn obligation. Joe Conway and Kathy Starr are both shining examples to us of what that looks like, what it means to preach the gospel by how we live our lives. We can therefore have faith that both of them are on their way to that dwelling place that God has prepared for them. May our loving prayers speed them on their journey, and may our following of the examples that they set lead us to rejoice with them in God's kingdom.